Hey, pretty people. So writing books is not the only thing that I do. On my website, I also have an eShop where I sell things like cute animal pillows, candy-themed AirPod cases, Pokemon building block sets, and more. And the shipping is free. Also, if you subscribe to my email list, you'll get a 10% off coupon for everything currently available. I occasionally do giveaways that are exclusive to subscribers, so don't miss out. Sign up today. The Demetrius Show podcast covers a variety of topics concerning mental health. This occasionally includes topics such as depression, anxiety, eating disorders, and thoughts some people may find distressing to hear. Listener discretion is advised. Each episode dealing with mental health is meant to be a general discussion and not meant to take the place of advice or treatment from any licensed medical professional. If you are needing mental health advice and or treatment, please speak with a mental health professional. I think like generally the positives of polyamory aren't just heard about like enough because everyone's just focusing on and like, you know, like, like how much jealousy we're experiencing, all kind of all the planning and logistics and kind of communication kind of side of things. But I mean, there's loads like, you know, for me, it's not really like a pros and cons thing for me when it comes to practicing polyamory. It's not like if the cons outweighed the pros, I would like stop doing it because it's just mm-hmm. whatever feels most natural for me. I think we've established by now how ridiculously awful the dating scene can be. But I don't talk enough about what happens after you get in a relationship or how there are different relationship dynamics and structures depending on what works for you. I want to especially highlight that last section, what works for you. Polyamory, for instance, does not work for me. I've tried it twice and been in a relationship with at least two men who identified as polyamorous, but the experiences weren't that great. In fact, I walked away from those relationships realizing that I'd largely been manipulated into them. Now, this isn't a bash polyamory episode. I don't want you to get that idea. I actually don't have a problem with polyamory as a relationship structure, but I do believe that there are people who go into polyamory for their own selfish reasons, and to mask certain selfish and very problematic and exploitative characteristics that they have. And I do believe it's important to explore every relationship dynamic, monogamous, polyamorous, whatever the case may be, to get a clear understanding of what a healthy relationship should look and feel like. My guest today is Leanne Yao, and you're most likely familiar with her work through Polyphilia, a blog that blends relatable observations about non-monogamy with humor and also serves as an informational resource on polyamory. When it came to a topic like this, I wanted to make sure I spoke to an expert, since there's already so few resources on polyamory as it is. So with that, let's dive right in. Welcome to The Demetrius Show where I learn how to walk through my shadows, picking the flowers I've grown through sheer resilience. And I may not know enough yet to start teaching, but I'm going to keep convincing you to keep pushing. I'm Demetrius, and this is my life after speaking. I am monogamous. And like I've mentioned before, I tried opening myself up to the polyamorous experience, and it just wasn't for me. Now, it wasn't just because I had some not-so-good experiences, right? Those experiences actually helped launch a lot of much-needed self-reflection, which I'm very thankful for. And in doing so, I realized 
that I have the emotional bandwidth to deal with one person at a time, and I'm not comfortable with dating someone who has other partners or who is seeking that type of arrangement. Some people call that selfish, and I simply don't agree. I believe that everyone has their boundaries and their comfort levels that deserve to be respected and validated. There's also a lot that goes into dating multiple partners. Even if you yourself are not going to be taking on partners and it's just the person that you're dating who is polyamorous. It's not just dealing with jealousy or just being completely selfless at all times. It's also about boundaries. You have to be very deliberate with setting boundaries in every relationship model, but especially in polyamory, contrary to what a lot of people think. Because again, you have folks who go into polyamory thinking it's just a free-for-all and you can do whatever you want and not have to be held accountable for your actions or that there's no such thing as cheating, for instance, because they believe that's just something that happens in monogamy. But cheating is about deception, lying, and knowingly crossing established boundaries. It's not just about sex and infidelity. So it can happen in any relationship structure. It's not just contained to one. I mentioned earlier that I was kind of manipulated into a polyamorous relationship. And how that happened is I was fed the line about, well, no one can be your everything. You need friends. You need this. You need that. And of course, at the time, I was still working through my own issues with codependency. So naturally, I wanted to avoid anything that even remotely resembled a codependent relationship. So I fed into this. I bought that. I was like, yeah, that sounds about right. And I was convinced that being monogamous automatically meant that you were codependent. So I started dating this married polyamorous man. Three months into our relationship, he took on two additional partners. And they immediately raised an eyebrow and kind of a red flag for me. Because after that, we immediately started seeing each other less and less. We went from seeing each other twice a week and spending time together to only seeing each other for about three to four hours once a week. And there was never a discussion of, hey, how do you feel about this? I know you're new to polyamory. Do you have any concerns? Here's how we're going to work out time management, spending time together. No. It was just, hey, FYI, I'm also dating two other people, even though you and I have only been seeing each other for three months. That's how it works, apparently. Even though I'm a married man with children who already has a limited amount of time and resources to devote to my marriage, let alone additional partners. He'd never stay over or anything like that. So it would be a scenario where we'd be intimate that evening that we were spending time together once a week for three to four hours. And he'd pretty much leave immediately after and go home. And I felt horrible about it. Like, this doesn't feel like a relationship to me. Even though I was told this is how it kind of works, it feels like I'm just a toy that you get to play with once a week. Like, you get four hours of Demetrius' time, and then you got to go home to your wife. And I know some of you are listening to this and going, Demetrius, be for real. This was a married man you were involved with, like, you knew what was going to happen. But I didn't expect this to happen because I was under the impression, going into this, that this person was kind of like the subject matter expert on polyamory and that I could take their lead and we would be able to make this work. But in the end, I ultimately realized that he just wanted someone to sleep with on the side and he was collecting as many partners as possible to fulfill his every sexual whim and desire. 
So I cut things off, but I continued to wrestle with the idea of, was it me? Do I just not get it? Was I the one being selfish? The next guy I dated was kind of the same thing. Things were going pretty smooth for about three months. Then he ended up having to move about an hour and a half away from me. So it put a tremendous strain on us being able to spend time with each other. Well, he then decides to start dating other people and immediately jumps into a new relationship. Again, three months after we started dating. (laughs) He doesn't check in with me, doesn't help establish any boundaries, time commitment, issues, anything like that. It's just pretty much, hey, I have another partner, FYI. So me being the person that I am, I went to him and expressed my concerns. I said, I'm not upset with you taking on an additional partner but I'm concerned that you won't have time for this relationship because I've literally seen this happen before. (laughs) And he assured me that wouldn't be the case. And I believed him. But then immediately after that, I didn't hear from him for three whole days. So naturally, I was upset, like anyone would be in that scenario. Anyone would feel discarded and used up, like their partner found a new toy and had forgotten about the old one. Yet, when I tried to have a discussion with him about this, it was immediate gaslighting. He immediately became defensive and disregarded my emotions, tried to weaponize my depression and anxiety against me to try to make it seem like I was just being completely over the top and unreasonable, etc. Very clearly trying to emotionally manipulate. And if you know me, you know that the cardinal sin when it comes to Demetrius is gaslighting. As someone who has worked very hard to overcome a lot of mental health issues, I don't play when it comes to making me question my reality. I don't accept that. So unfortunately for him, I was in a place in my life where I had done so much self-reflection and self-improvement that I knew I wasn't being unreasonable. I knew I wasn't wrong to be upset. And I knew this wasn't how any relationship monogamous or otherwise, should work. So that is why I'm so passionate about defining what a healthy relationship should look like. And that's why I brought on Lian Yao, the creator of Polyphilia, to join me on today's episode to talk particularly about polyamory. So let's bring her on. So um, I can be found on most social media platforms at the same handle. That's Polyphilia blog, P-O-L-Y-P-H-I-L-I-A-B-L-O-G. I'm most active on Instagram, but I'm also on TikTok, Facebook, Twitter, and I have a Patreon where I post more bonus content and keep a video diary of kind of my polyamorous life. And I have a shop uh, where I sell polyamory merch at polyphiliashop.redbubble.com. So yeah, and I, yeah, you can find me on social media channels. I post a lot of content there like every single day. Yeah, like I I also do private sessions if you want to just talk to someone who gets it. So yeah, that's all I do. That's where you can find me. Oh, and I have a website, polyphilia.blog. And if you just want to give us a short summary of who you are, what you stand for. Yeah, sure. Happy to be here on the show. My name is Leanne. I founded Polyphilia just over two years ago. It started as a meme page for me to just kind of like post about my experiences of polyamory, but quickly kind of ballooned into what it is today, which is basically a mixture of education and entertainment about polyamory. So kind of my aim is to create like bite-sized content that is very kind of visually and easily accessible to lots of people and just basically get people to start thinking about polyamory and to kind of have you know have the topic kind of enter their minds and yeah you know like I stand for like advocating for like diversity of relationships and for everyone to be able to customize like their connections with people you know whether platonic romantic sexual whatever to you know like whatever works for them and the individuals that they're dealing with so 
you know, like I'm not like pro polyamory for everyone. I'm just kind of pro relationships and being able to customize them for everyone. I'm glad you mentioned that, that you're pro, not necessarily where you feel it should be for everyone and everyone should be doing that, but that you're pro, I want to, I'm guessing like healthy healthy relationships in general, whatever that looks like for you. Is that kind of what I'm getting? <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> okay. Okay, good. Good. Because I, I feel the same way. I will say that I am more on the monogamous end of things, but I focus on whether or not you are in a state where you're able to take on any relationship, let alone one, let alone more than one, and identifying whether or not any of that is for you. As a monogamous person, I have to sometimes evaluate, okay, are you even equipped to date anyone, let alone whatever else you may be considering that's on the table? So thank mm-hmm. you. That's yeah. that's absolutely great. And I love the fact that you are adding, adding to the education of polyamory and putting as much information as possible out there and sharing some of your experiences, because there's not a whole lot of education on polyamory, even still, even though it's becoming more mainstream, there's still not enough education on um, on just sometimes even the basics kind of have to look a little bit. So yeah, I, yeah, I appreciate I you you being a very reliable resource for that. That's why I brought you on to speak about this. So absolutely. So speaking of the more positive end of polyamory experiences, what are some positive experiences that people often don't talk about that we don't hear about enough i think like generally the positives of polyamory aren't just heard about like enough because everyone's just focusing on and like you know like like how much jealousy we're experiencing all kind of all the planning and logistics and kind of communication kind of side of things but i mean there's loads like you know for me it's not really like a pros and cons thing for me when it comes to practicing polyamory. It's not like if the cons outweigh the pros, I would like stop doing it because it's just mm-hmm. whatever feels most natural for me. It's like, you know, obviously the jury's still out there, like on whether it's like, you know, can be claimed as like an identity in the same way that like you can claim like the being gay or bisexual or trans. But then it does feel like intrinsic to me and kind of my values and my personality in a big way. So But I would say, you know, I think in terms of like what I find really fulfilling about polyamory, like other than that, you know, it's what feels kind of best for me to do. You know, I really like creating kind of good relationships like with my metamors. So that's term for like your partner's other partner who you're not dating. You know, like I think that being able to, you know, kind of like share in our love for the same person our care for the same person and you know collaborating with them to you know like ensure like our shared partner's happiness like is a really special relationship I don't think there's an equivalent relationship for that in monogamous relationships I think it's just something very unique to polyamory and I think another thing is you know compassion you know because people are always like oh you know don't you get jealous etc and like you know sure like I think everyone gets like jealous sometimes for like mm-hmm. a wide variety of reasons But then, you know, like I experienced compassion, which is like, you know, if I see my partner with someone else or my partner's telling me about like a, like a nice date they had or like some hot sex they had, or, you know, just like, yeah, like just like a nice time, like with someone else. I'm like, I'll be really happy for them. Like I'll be, you know, I'll experience kind of like that kind of compassionate joy for them um, as if it was my own joy, because ultimately like when I love someone, I want the best for them, even if kind of 
like what you know what they're experiencing isn't coming from me and so yeah you know I think these are the yeah like these are the things about polyamory that I think are unique to this relationship style that I really enjoy and I think it's there's something to be said for you know kind of like apart from like you know advocating for like everyone to be able to customize their own relationships I also talk about you know decentering like romance kind of specifically as like the be all end all of relationships like that yes and and so you know I have a lot of really close friendships where the boundaries are kind of you know a bit more blurred uh, and it's kind of well not boundaries a bit blurred I mean in the sense that like you know in terms of it's not it's not going to be like a fixed categorization of like oh yeah like our relationship is purely platonic or it's like purely friends of benefits or like it's not romantic at all and I think it's really good to be able to explore you know the kind of in-betweens like the gray areas and be able to express kind of like unconventional ways of expressing attraction like you know to to platonic friends so I think that's that's another thing as well like you know polyamory is by definition about maintaining multiple kind of loving intimate romantic relationships but I think it's also really deepened my friendships because I don't have to worry about like oh if I cuddle my friend you know what my partner get jealous or you know right. or my, my partner think like I was stepping on you know various toes or whatever so so yeah like it's just kind of being able to embrace the fluidity I guess of of my connections and yeah like yeah and being able to enjoy that with people and express affection kind of what in what ways that feel natural to me is like a really big benefit for me absolutely absolutely I like that you mentioned the decentering de- of the romantic in general in those situations and where you don't have to in your other relationships outside of well, I'm thinking about it in a different way. But in your relationships, there can be so many different types of attraction. There can be so many different types of dynamics between you and the people that you surround yourself with. And they don't have to necessarily mean that, you know, there's this huge, deeper, hidden meaning to every single thing. And you can work through those those feelings that you get, those we talked about. I mean, I know you mentioned jealousy. And I wanted to kind of talk about that too, as far as it being such a demonized emotion for in polyamory and in monogamy, where it's just like seen as the enemy, instead of just being a negative emotion that people experience. And yes, you do need to work through that. You need to figure out where that's coming from, get to the root, and then get to a point where you're able to appropriately address it, what's driving that. But I feel like we also, we just really are so afraid of feeling that way, much less expressing it and striving to work through it. And I believe, regardless of, you know, your relationship style, that's something that you shouldn't be afraid to encounter and you shouldn't feel like, oh, I'm experiencing jealousy. It means I'm a horrible person. I'm horrible at monogamy and I'm unfit to, you know, (laughs) be in a polyamorous relationship. I don't think that Because I have seen and kind of heard some of that and people that were kind of curious about polyamory, they were like, well, I don't know if that's for me because, you know, I I would get jealous. Well, yes, you're, you're going to get jealous anyway, at some point. And that's fine. That's normal. It's becoming self-aware enough to where you can identify where that comes from and you can properly communicate to your partner, partners, whoever that you're experiencing that. And I just wanted to really touch on that because I know that it's a huge barrier for some people who are like, well, what is, I don't even know if that's for me. And just saying that, no, I mean, just like with any negative emotion that you have or experience, you need to kind of get to the core of that. And you're only going to be able to do that by properly identifying it, expressing it in some way, 
and by kind of working through identifying where it comes from. And that takes time and sometimes trial yeah. and error, you know, and you hate to call it that, but that's kind of what it comes down to. It's not kind of reducing people or things to commodify them. It's just, that's just kind of how it is. We're human beings and we learn by kind of making mistakes and messing up sometimes. And that's just a part of life. So definitely wanted to mention that and appreciate you mentoring the decentering of the romance aspect of it. But moving to where another thing that I wanted to kind of discuss and bring up with regards to sexual health, I bring this up to, of course, my monogamous peers and making sure that they're educating themselves and being just aware of the not necessarily you shouldn't be out just sleeping around or whatever. I don't, you know, get into all of that. But mostly of the, are you are you making sure to get tested? Are you making sure you're paying attention to your body? Are you using protection? Those sorts of things. Do you feel that that is also as important with polyamory? Yeah, and I think there was a study conducted in 2015 that I always bring up, like when people ask me about sexual health and polyamory, because I think there's this misconception that because you're polyamorous, it's like a sexual free-for-all and that mm-hmm. you know, you're not you're not like kind of caring about these things. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, I get hate comments like on my on my TikTok quite a lot, you know, from people just being like, oh, you know, like you're going to die of AIDS or like whatever. And, uh, and, you know, like, so like I always try and like back things with facts, right? And there was a study that was conducted in 2015 by Dr. Justin Laymiller, where, which basically examined the relationship between like your uh, your relationship style and kind of, you know, like how often you'd, how often you practice safe sex, how often you get tested, like, and whether you've contracted an STI in the last like year or so or whatever. And basically what it was, what was discovered was that, you know, there was no difference in kind of, you know, like STI infection rates between monogamous people and non-monogamous people, like of the people that they studied in that group. And this was for two reasons. The first reason is that because like when you are a non-monogamous person and you kind of participate in the culture and that kind of thing, kind of, you know, ethics and honesty and communication and responsibility are kind of like baked into the culture of of non-monogamy. And because of that, there's much more of a willingness to like openly talk about like the sex that you're having with people, you know, like your testing habits, like, you know, like your, your risk, you know, yeah, like your, the level of risk you're exposing yourself to, et cetera, like with your partners and to communicate if someone gets an STI, right? And so basically it was found like non-monogamous people were much more sexually responsible, much more likely to get tested often, much more likely to use protection with, with multiple partners. And then the second reason was because the monogamous people in the study were not that monogamous. Like 25% of them cheated. And when they did cheat, they did not use protection. Right. So, so then it's like, you know, obviously people like, obviously, you know, if we're looking at it, like on paper, it's like, okay, yeah, like if a monogamous person only sleeps with one person, and they know one else for the rest of their lives, like, obviously, they're going to be like less susceptible to STI infection than non-monogamous people. But in reality, like, unfortunately, <laughs> you know, the, the fact of the matter is that monogamous people are not very good at being monogamous. And so, you know, and they're not, and they're less likely to be safe when they're, you know, applying monogamy imperfectly. So, so because of that, like, yeah, like that, hence, you know, the, the no difference, like, you know, between STI infection rates between the two groups. So, yeah, I mean, like sexual health is something that I talk a fair bit about on my page that my clients ask me about, you know, like in my sessions and yeah, like, and I think it's a very important topic. Ultimately, I think, you know, everyone has like kind of different, you know, a different baseline for like how much, 
like, you know, they want to expose themselves to, because ultimately I think if you're having sex, you do run the risk of catching an STI. It is just like, if you go outside, you run the risk of catching a cold. So it's just about like, you know, assessing like, okay, you know, how much protection do I want to use and for which acts and whatever, without also kind of compromising on like my pleasure, because you know, you can kind of pass through things through like fingering, for instance, like with manual mm-hmm. you know, like stimulation. And some people are like, yeah, you know, you don't want to catch STI through that, uh, wear gloves, or you can catch it through kissing. Yes. So, you know, what are you going to do? Like wear a mask? Like, so, but then, you know, there comes a point when you're like, okay, you know, if I could do all of these things and wrap myself up in cling film and saran wrap in order to prevent myself from ever catching STI, but that would not make sex very fun. So kind of what am I going to do to balance that? And kind of what conversations do I have to have with my partners? about the kind of sex that they're having with other people. So I can assess like, you know, what my, what my level of risk is and what I'm comfortable with. Yes, I agree with that. And, you know, I can also agree that monogamous people are not very good at being monogamous. I mean, I've encountered that. So many of us encounter that daily. And unfortunately we do it to ourselves, right? We, 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 and it's such a, I think it comes down to just not respecting your partner at all. Maybe not even necessarily the fact that maybe you shouldn't be monogamous because I see also where people like myself who are mainly monogamous, we may, you know, they may just think that because they have no impulse control, for instance, and they can't stick to a boundary that they've established with their partner, that that means that, oh, well, that means that I'm polyamorous because I just can't help myself. And I don't personally believe that is what polyamory means or should mean, that you have no control over respecting the boundaries that you have established with your partner. Now, being attracted to people, all those other things, okay, that's different. But mainly that you know that it's wrong to cheat. You know that you are in a monogamous relationship with someone. And instead of communicating that you are attracted to other people and maybe kind of reevaluating that, you are deciding to break that trust and go outside of that boundary. And so that's what I tend to focus on when you talk about, especially like toxic monogamy, the toxic aspects of monogamy is it's the, if you are a person who regularly breaks your trust with your partner and you do really hurtful things to your partner, that doesn't mean that you are suddenly just this perfect candidate to be the face of, you know, polyamory. And I want to, I want to mention that because that's also something that comes up with people who are curious about polyamory. They go, well, I mean, I see these people who seem to be using it as an excuse for past cheating and for their monogamy slip-ups, you know? And Mm -hmm. I don't think it's appropriate. I don't think it's fair, really, to conflate the two. Because to me, those are two different things. You being untrustworthy and, you know, being an asshole, to be honest, is not the same thing to me as being ethically non-monogamous. And I don't know if you agree with that, but that's, that's kind of my take there when it comes to the our monogamous people that just can't seem to get it together mm-hmm. yeah. yeah you know like I definitely think that if like you know I, I very strongly hold the opinion that the vast majority of monogamous people are monogamous 
not because they themselves want to be, but because they want their partners to be. Because, I mean, whenever I have conversations with monogamous people about polyamory and they talk to me about how and why they couldn't do it, they always talk about how they couldn't share their partner, you know, and they, you know, they would get jealous. And it's all kind of focused on like, okay, this is focused on your partner having multiple partners, though, but they don't talk about, you know, they themselves, you know, having multiple partners and how they think of that idea. You know, it's a very small minority of people who tell me, oh, I want to be monogamous because I actually want to devote myself to one person for the rest of my life or, you know, one person at a time as it is now in the modern day. And it's usually it's usually about like, you know, them not being able to handle their partner having that, you know, that freedom. So, you know, and I, I do think like, you know, this fact that like I do think a lot of people secretly want to have multiple partners but then because they can't handle the reverse you know they choose to be monogamous instead and I think this is kind of these unexpressed desires that lead to a lot of infidelity in monogamous relationships because I mean yeah like you know there, there's there's different types of cheating right like I think there's nuance mm-hmm. to this conversation like I don't think right. every sing- I don't think every single person who cheats in in whatever relationship is like immediately like a bad person like, I think you know like I very much subscribe to what Esther Perel, who is like a Belgian psychotherapist who has a couple of TED Talks and a book and stuff. You know, she's written like a really good book on infidelity called The State of Affairs. And great pun. Uh, But yeah, it's a really good good book about like that, that introduces like a really like, you know, just nuanced perspective on infidelity and why people break boundaries in relationships and how it's not just so black and white as, you know, the person who who cheated is the aggressor and the person who has been cheated on is the innocent victim. You know, like a lot of people cheat in relationships because their, you know, their relationship isn't a good one. Like it might be abusive and they're looking for an escape, you know, or like there are needs that are going unmet, but then their partner won't have a conversation with them about it. And so, you know, or like they, you know, they, they want to see, they want to experience like a different version of themselves, you know, and yeah, like there's a lot of different factors kind of mixed up in it. And like, I'll, I'm very candid about the fact that I have both, I've been on both sides of the situation, you know, mm-hmm. as someone who like has kind of broken uh, boundaries in a relationship and also had like my boundaries crossed by partners, right? And every time it is so individual, it is so individual to the kind of circumstances, the people involved, right? Like the emotions, kind of what was going on at the time. And yeah, like it's not, it's not so simple, but yeah, like I agree in general, right? Like if someone like chronically is cheating on their partner, chronically cannot like, you know, adhere to boundaries or is just making up lots of excuses and, and fake apologies and then just doing it repeatedly, they probably need therapy. Mm-hmm, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. But yeah, you know, but also I hold some kind of compassion for the fact that like people make mistakes. And I think it's, it's, I don't think like relationships are about like never ever fucking up or never ever hurting your partner. I think it's more mm-hmm. about like what you do after the fact, how you take responsibility for the mistakes that you've made or like the hurt or the impact that it's, that is causing your partner. And I think, you know, that like the efforts to repair matter more than the rupture itself, because I do think that like, you know, like ruptures and kind of boundaries crossing and kind of stuff like that, like shit happens. Um, mm-hmm. And I think it's about what you do afterwards. So I want to give you the perspective of someone who definitely tried polyamory a few times and just found that it just simply, it's just not for me. Love that it works for other people, have friends who are amazing at it, absolutely. But just in my experiences with it, and it wasn't so much that it was just, then it was negative. It just opened my eyes to the fact that I have my own set of boundaries and things that I'm comfortable with. 
And in the end, it really helped me kind of figure that out and also gain a better understanding of it so that I could sit and talk to people and go, no, this is actually, you know, how it works and how you should approach it and how you should think about it, you know, opening up people's minds, even if they don't subscribe to it in the end, like I did, that they wouldn't view it through the very narrow lens that it's often placed under anyway. So for me, it was, I dated two individuals. The first was a married man and I was his first outside of his marriage partner, partner outside of his marriage. And then he gained about, I think about two or three within like about three months of his dating. And so for me, that was just like, whoa, we barely have time to see each other as it is. And so that ended up not working out, right? Next yeah, I mean, I would say from my perspective, that sounds like a person who was perhaps irresponsible with their time management. Yeah, and I was able to, I was able to see that. I was able to see yeah. that, and I didn't go, "Oh my gosh, polyamory is bad." It was more so <laughs> like, I just don't know it, because like you mentioned, people do mess up, and it wasn't that he was being this evil, awful person to me. It was just like I don't think this is going to work out for me because these things. They aren't exclusive to poly. I mean, what am I trying to say? They're not like ingrained in what polyamory is. They just happen. They come up. But for me, I am comfortable devoting my time and energy to one person and that person and it being being reciprocated. And that works for me. And I think if you haven't done that amount of like self-reflection, that you need to do that self-reflection before you come to the conclusion that mm. it's not for you. Because like you mentioned before, that there are so many of us who aren't open to the idea of polyamory because we just think, you know, it's foreign, it's strange, it's not something that we'd ever be interested in. But you don't really know until you, I don't want to say you don't know until you try it, but that's kind of how it is. You don't really know really what your boundaries are until you kind of explore yourself Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. figure that out. So that with him, that was when I learned that I am not interested in dating someone because I dated someone else after that. But that's what helped me establish. I'm not really interested in dating someone who moves so fast like that, where it kind of seems like they're collecting and within three Mm -hmm. months of us knowing each other, you're now you're already married and now you're dating me, you have kids and now you're dating two other people. Like that's <laughs> not gonna, you know what I mean? That's not gonna work. And at the time I was very new to polyamory and I was kind of hoping this person would kind of take the lead. And that's something else that I also tell people, like do a lot of research. I refer them to your blog because I think you had an article about like red flags and things like that. And they were really good. And I, I send them that way because I think it's important for you to recognize when something isn't quite as healthy as it should be, regardless of the relationship style. And yeah. so that you can ex- have those really good experiences, like my other friends do, who are in these relationship styles. And you can make sure that you are taking care of yourself and being the best that you can for your partner, partners, whatever the case may be. So that helped me there. And then when I dated the next person and I noticed it happening again, where been together for like three months and it's the same thing. Like, oh, I've got to get on Tinder and I've got to go on all these dates. And it's like, well, like, we don't even know if we like each other yet. (laughs) We don't even know if we like each other. And so that sort of thing, it helped me identify my patterns and Mm -hmm. my attraction to people. 
And it also helped me kind of identify that, you know what, maybe just especially for right now, never say never, right? But especially for right now, I think I need to start in a situation where it's I'm focused on one person and vice versa. That's what I have the energy and emotional bandwidth for right now. And perhaps later on in the future, when I've gotten even more comfortable with all of that, then perhaps in the future, we can see about opening things up again and exploring that aspect of it. But I also believe that the vast majority of monogamous people, I think they do, I agree with you that they probably do have the capacity to explore those multiple relationships or additional partners, but they definitely need, in my opinion, need to do the work first, the self-reflection before they try to dive into that and really educate themselves so that they're not making those mistakes like that I made, where you just are expecting everything to kind of fall into place. And any relationship takes a lot of intentional work and, and education. And so that's really, I wanted to give you that perspective because there are those of us who we are just like, you know what, this is where we're, I'm going to be right now. And maybe it's forever. Maybe it's just until I get more comfortable and I, or I find, you know, I'm in a really good place with my partner and we're like, you know what? We're good. Like we could explore new things now because you have to do that anyway, whether it's non-monogamy yeah. or just in the bedroom, right? You, th- there comes a time where you have to break up the monotony. So, mm-hmm. but I think the vast majority of us and us, I mean, monogamy, monogamous people, we expect it to, like you, I think you mentioned earlier, this love conquers all mindset where there shouldn't have to be any work <laughs> that needs to be done, any additional changes or whatever the case may be and Mm -hmm. so so yeah I just wanted to give that perspective that yeah I think in response to kind of what you said about yeah the kind of your experience of 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 polyamory and about kind of this collector mindset that you mentioned there definitely is this definitely is a phenomenon like you know Mm -hmm. I think that particularly people who are new to polyamory like there's this whole thing where you're like oh my god I can date as many people as I want I'm going to go on all the dates and date yes. all the people. And then, you know, you, you're like two weeks in and you've got like 11 people wanting a second date and you're like, yes. fuck. So, you know, like something that I talk about on my page is like time management, you know, because mm-hmm. ultimately like, yeah, like, you know, love is infinite, whatever. But like also, you know, particularly if you're married and have kids, right? Like you you have 24 hours in a day and seven days in a week. So how are you yes. going to proportion that time? And I don't just mean for like partners. I, you know, obviously like, yeah, you know, make commitments like with your partners about like how much time you want to spend with them. But it's also Mm -hmm. about like balancing that with your work, your kids, you know, your home, your hobbies, like, you know, your family, volunteering, like whatever else, like, you know, your personal projects and then kind of figuring out like, okay, how much time do I have left over and how much time do I want to spend on myself? How much mm-hmm. time do I uh, can I spend with with partners? And do I want to spend like, you know, regular amounts of time with like fewer partners? Or do I want to have like lots of kind of new, novel, exciting experiences with people? You know, how much time investment can I give to people? And kind of being realistic about that rather than kind of overpromising and overcommitting just to, you know, not be able to follow through. And I think that's kind of what happened, you know, with with your situation where mm-hmm. oh, yeah, like, this person was not realistic with like the time they had to give. And also probably enjoyed the novelty of, of meeting new people rather than, you know, investing in kind of connections long term. Because for me, right, I, I have a partner who, you know, like 
we yeah we, we went on a first date and we were both still dating other people and I was meeting new people but then about like a month into our relationship you know we had a conversation where we were like okay how often do we want to see each other and we agreed on meeting twice uh, twice a week so it's like whatever else you do with your time I don't care but we're meeting twice a week and we were able to hold each other to that and we have been doing that since the beginning of our relationship which was good what, like last summer so you know and I do this with with even with the new people that I meet you know once we made that commitment whenever I met a new person on a date I'd be like hey you know here's the number of partners I have here's how much here's how often I, I, I meet them per week here's how much time I have left kind of carved out if you're looking for like a really high investment kind of high you know time commitment relationship I'm not the person you're looking for mm. but if you're looking for something occasional like you know like nothing kind of like regular something casual you know that's what I have capacity for because my rota is full mm. and so you know and 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 yeah like some people would dive with that some people wouldn't but ultimately it's like this is where I'm at and this is kind of you have to be realistic about that because you yeah like it's great to meet new people it's great to form new connections and get to know people but I never want to be in a position where like I don't have enough time in the day to uphold all the commitments that I've made to people because they are commitments. They are multiple commitments that you are making to multiple people. Absolutely. Well, I, I really appreciate you saying that and Mitch kind of laying out how upfront you are with your time, your number of partners and being very upfront about that communication where this is how much time I have, like realistically, I think that is something that, you know, more and more people need to need to um, be practicing and looking into polysaturation in the yes community. yes yeah, polysaturation like, yeah yeah just kind of wanted to throw that term out there like polysaturation is kind of you know when you describe like that like you know your dance card is full basically like that yes you have enough partners you literally cannot take on anymore and you are good <laughs> yeah. I, I, or even that you know you might have like enough time but it's like you 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 know you don't you don't have a desire to pursue kind of more people so 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 yeah like you know like people talk about kind of polysaturation point and not everyone needs to get there but it's like yeah like there's a term for it you know so just to just just kind of indicate that like you know for people who have been doing it for a while like and kind of are interested in kind of maintaining long-term connections like that is a thing that is discussed right. I know for me personally and even when we talk about you know time commitment something that I also wanted to get across to my monogamous peers is the idea of you know there, there's that phrase thrown around where no one person can be your everything and I, that was said to me a lot and I remember thinking to myself well I don't want my I don't want them to be my everything I just want them to be you know us go out once a, or once or twice a week or something and go from there. And that's because for me, I have friends, I have family, I have coworkers, pets, you know, you name it. I have so many other resources when it comes to receiving some form of love and affection, even as a monogamous person. Like that's not something that I'm like seeking for and my partner, someone that I date, you have to be all of these things or it will not work out. And also, you know, read my mind, you know, that thing, that too. But I also wanted to throw that out there because we have so many people that think that, that think that, you know, my partner has to be my best friend. I see that a lot. I want someone to be, that's my best friend and this, and the partner ends up being like the therapist and the, you know, the caretaker, the mom, and you see it all the time on social media. And it baffled me because when someone said that to me, 
who was polyamorous, I thought, I'm like, well, wait a minute. I don't, I don't really think that's my thing. But then going on social media and kind of observing, I was like, oh, I see what you're talking about. <laughs> I see what you're talking about. Yes, very, you know, we kind of throw this term around a lot, but it is, a lot of it is codependency. A lot of it is where we are not, we haven't done the work to identify what causes those codependency traits in ourselves. And we are expecting our partner to be the end all be all. Yeah. And that is very, it's very toxic. It's very unhealthy. And I wanted to kind of put that position out and put that out there because for me, you know, I had to step back and think, well, maybe since I don't feel this way, monogamy isn't for me. But that really wasn't the case. It was more so that I already did the work to make sure to overcome my codependent tendencies. And so that's why I don't really feel that way because I, like I mentioned, I have friends, family, pets. I have people that I can, you know, go out and hang out with and still come home that night and feel fulfilled, even though I don't have someone there at the time or the moment for that like super romantic need, but I'm still getting what I need. I'm not, mm -hmm. and you can do that single in a poly situation or monogamous, you can still mm -hmm. feel fulfilled, you know, and this idea so I just wanted to kind of pull that apart and go, wait a minute, like, you know, it is totally possible to, like I mentioned, feel fulfilled, whether you are monogamous, single, poly, but you have to do that work. You have to do that self-reflection, maybe go to therapy. I went to therapy and figure out the root of some of those tendencies that you have and also becoming more self-aware so that when you step into any situation that you are prepared to really observe how you interact with someone you may consider a potential partner or metamore or whatever the case may be. Yeah, I mean, I don't like I don't pursue relationships to get needs met um, in, this, mm -hmm. in the sense that like, I mean, obviously, obviously, like, yeah, you know, when you're in relationships, like, you know, you, you get something out of it. Like, yes, you know, that's of course. Not thing. But but then. But then, you know, I don't, I don't, I feel like if you go too far in that direction of being like, yeah, like, you know, I pursue polyamory because I want multiple partners to meet these various needs. Mm -hmm. um, you run the, you run the risk of like objectifying people um, yes. in the sense that it's like, oh yeah, like, you know, you fill this need, but then yes. say, say for example, okay, you meet this need because my husband uh, can't provide this need. But if my husband provided this need, then I wouldn't need you anymore. Yes. Um, Thank you. And, and that's, the, that's the danger of it, right? Like, mm -hmm. you know, ultimately I'm about pursuing kind of authentic connection and not even kind of necessarily kind of romantic right like this is kind of calling back to what i said earlier about decentering romance mm -hmm. as kind of part of like kind of polyamory or like relationship anarchy or like whatever it is because ultimately you don't need to practice polyamory in order to get your needs met by multiple people like mm -hmm. you know you like you know you, you have family your friends you have your you have like all kinds of relationships in your life and but then the thing about monogamy at least kind of in how it's kind of tra traditionally practiced and how it's like fed to us like by by the media and mm -hmm. kind of stuff like that mm -hmm. is that like it encourages isolation it encourages yes. like what you say about like codependency it's not just about yes. having one relationship at a time it's about like making sure that like none of your friends are seen as potential threats to your romantic relationship and i think it's that kind of what do they call it in science and mate guarding like like that kind of phenomenon that mm -hmm. you know really did not 
vibe with me you know like there's this whole idea that like I needed to defend kind of like my relationship you know had to be wary of like all potential threats you know I'd be like you know what are we worried about like it's okay if you have close relationships with other people exactly good in fact I encourage it so so yeah you know like I know I know you mean yeah like I, I I don't think I don't think that one person is able to meet all our needs, but I also don't think people exist to meet our needs. I agree. So that's, the, that's the nuance I want to kind of introduce to that because I think the, oh yeah, I can get multiple partners to meet my needs is, is a thing that is brought up in kind of non-monogamous conversations. And I think that does apply in like a lot of scenarios. I don't want to ignore that, but then it's also, that's not the point. Uh, yes, I agree. And I really do thank you for bringing that part up about the, how it gets into the more objectifying territory. And how we, you know, you want to kind of recognize that and see it for what it is. I experienced a little bit about from that as well, from previous relationships. And mm. absolutely, you do. You want to be mindful. And of course, like I mentioned, I was really new, didn't know a whole lot and didn't see it for what it was at first. But looking back, I was like, oh, yeah, no, I don't think that I don't think that was for me. And I know based on my research and everything that that wasn't like that's not how it should go right? It shouldn't go where you feel like you're just there as an as an means to an end. That is not how you should feel in a relationship, any no, relationship. I, I think there is, you know, people can run the risk of being like very consumerist in mm-hmm. kind of how they have their relationships. And this is not just unique to polyamory. I think like a like a common criticism that people have like a polyamory it's like oh yeah you know you get this part to meet this need and it's it's so Mm. you know you're just consuming people you're objectifying people and I was like okay like yes people do that but you know also you can do that in monogamy as well I mean you know get people who are like gold diggers or people who are like you know constantly trying to you know they're in a monogamous relationship until they find the next person who they feel is a trade up they have Mm -hmm. more money or they're hotter or like whatever and they you know they're serially monogamous or they're serially cheating you know because they're constantly looking for like how they could be happier richer better rather than pursuing kind of authentic organic connection with the person that they're with and not seeing them as like a list of traits so yeah like you know I think we could all do well to to move away from like this kind of consumerist and dare I say capitalistic mindset (laughs) to to relationships and then and and, uh, outside of that like whether you want to have one relationship or multiple like it's like you do what the fuck you want yeah absolutely yeah I agree. And I will also say that dating, oh gosh, especially right these days, it's just very transactional, <laughs> very transactional. And what can you do for me? And just, I will say, just kind of be wary of that too. Be wary of someone who makes it seem, who kind of indicates that they are looking for what you can just do for them, you know, <laughs> and whether you're monogamous, whatever the case may be, exploring, not sure, whatever the case you are not something to be traded for something. You know, you are a human being, you are deserving of love in whatever form it takes. And that is what matters. It is not not defined by what you provide for us. Exactly. Exactly. But I think that a lot of people really struggle to accept that. Like I think a lot of, I think a lot of women in particular struggle to see themselves beyond like their worth of like what they can provide, you know, whether it's like, you know, beauty or like whatever else Mm -hmm. it's like, you know, because, because, you know, women are so often commodified, right. And kind of seen by like, yeah, like kind of the status that we provide to men. And so, and yeah, like, like, I think people need to learn to accept love for like who they are rather than like kind of what they do. But I think that's a big ask uh, for a lot of people because of the society that we live in. 
thank you for listening to The Demetrius Show. Reviews of this show help expand my audience size and reach new listeners. So be sure to rate it on your preferred listening platform so more people can know about it. Also, if you really love this show, be sure to subscribe to my email list so you can be the first to get news and updates about the podcast and more. And as always, be kind to yourself, be safe, and until next time.